0: Welcome to the Period Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Cynthia Donovan, registered dietitian and period recovery expert who has been where you currently are. This is the podcast to listen to if you want your period back month after month, or if you want to restore your fertility and feel more relaxed around food and exercise. Consider this your safe space that will take the guests and the stress out of period recovery and bring you the information... The inspiration, tools, stories, and empowerment that are key in getting your period back month after month. Get ready to be inspired, get ready to get your period back, and get ready to get your life back. Come on, let's dive in. Oh, and real quick, before we get to the show, I want to personally invite you to apply now to the Eat to Regain Your Period group coaching or the Eat to Maintain Your Period group coaching program. The Eat to Regain Your Period program is the go-to program to get your period back twice as quick as doing period recovery alone. And if you already got your period back, the eat to maintain your period group coaching program is for you. If you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you connect to one of these groups. Once in the program, you get a personalized structure plan with food and exercise to get your period back and maintain it for life. To learn more and apply for the next group coaching program, head over to periodnutritionist.com backslash programs dash overview. All right, let's get to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Period Recovery Podcast. And today I have a very special guest that I think you all are going to be able to really relate and grab a ton of amazing information from. And today my guest is Molly Seifert. And Molly Seifert is a body image coach and mentor. She works with women who have decided to ditch dieting and now they feel uncomfortable in their body. The women she works with value authenticity, but they feel held back from being fully themselves because of their body image. Molly helps them reconnect with their body so they can be unapologetically themselves, share their big gifts with the world, and live their life authentically. Also works with professionals who are struggling to support their clients through body image barriers and equips them with the tools that fit them and their practice best so they and their clients can thrive. Molly, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have this chat.
0: Yes, me too, because I can tell you one of the biggest fears of the the women I work with and the people I work with. And even the people I indirectly work with, uh, on, on Instagram, one of the biggest fears is their body change. Yep. It is one of the biggest things that hold them back and make them wonder like, okay, like what if I do all the things for period recovery? I eat more. I rest more. I gain, you know, X amount and my period still doesn't come back. And first I just want to say, that thought is so common that what if I do all this and my body changes? What if I don't get my period back? But I can tell you the science is out there. If you eat enough for your body, you rest enough for your body, you will get your period back. But let's talk about one of the biggest barriers that holds so many back from not only regaining their period, but sometimes they regain their period and they still struggle with feeling uncomfortable in their body. So let's start at... Why do we feel that way anyways? Like, why are we so always, you know, sucked into what we look like? What's on the outside? What other people think of us? Like, how did we, how did we get to this place?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Such a good question. And, and I also want to circle back at one point and I'm just going to say it so I don't forget is what's interesting is like this fear of like, if I do all these things, I gain this weight, I rest more, I nourish my body, but I don't get my period back. It's like, we feel like we have to have an excuse for our body size to change. Right. It's like, oh, well, at least I got my period back. And so it's just so interesting to notice, and this kind of ties into your original question is like, how did, how did we get here? Why are we so afraid of this? And I think it's twofold. One, is a little bit more superficial, but one is like really, really deep. So, more superficially, our society has created these standards that are unattainable, and we feel like we need to fit into this certain box of beauty and body size to be accepted and to be respected in our society. But on an even deeper level, there's a, literally a system of oppression happening. Fat phobia is a true system of oppression. And people in straight sized bodies might not be affected by that directly, but we're all indirectly affected by it because, as we know, systems of oppression are built into all of us. We all have our own internal bias, and so it's so deeply rooted because there's this almost nervous system response to if I'm in a larger body, I'm not going to get as much respect, belonging, and i it's going to be harder for me to function in this world. And the truth is, is there is some truth to that because of this system of oppression. And so that's why it's so challenging for people and why it it's sometimes not enough to just think positive, right? We can't just like positively think our way out of a system of oppression. And so that's kind of the two different components that we see. There's this more superficial layer that's mostly just societal standards and et cetera, but on an even deeper level, this affects our nervous system. And that's why it's so hard to do this work. Um, And that's the oppressive system of fat phobia.
0: Yeah. And thank you for sharing all that. And I love how you led off with, and I definitely want to come back to that component of, well, maybe sometimes we'll just, you know, Period recovery is our excuse, you know, to be okay with the weight gain. And then we get our period back and it's still there, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, jotted that down so we could circle back to that. Cause that's, I think a, a really big point. Yeah. So pretty much it's been rooted in us for probably generations to come. I know for me, I remember back, you know, when I was younger, My grandparents saying like, oh, look at so-and-so, you know, they've gained weight or, oh, wow, they look so good. I remember my mom counting calories and exercising. And again, my grandparents, my mom, love them to death and they only knew what they knew, right? Because who knows, you know, my mom's mom, her mom's mom, so forth they only did the best they could. My mom never was like, Oh, Cynthia, you can't have this. You can't have that. You should eat this. She, I mean, she let me eat cake for breakfast for God's sake, you know? So, (laughs) but going back to that, that place, I mean, when I was old enough to start making my own decisions, when I was a teenager, I'm like, Oh, well maybe, you know, I need to lose a little bit of weight to fit in my prom dress. And, you know, and then it, Guess it. You know, it started way back then. It was being modeled, not pushed on me. But it really, it, it becomes a belief system. And I like to say, and I'm sure you agree, Molly, that these thoughts that we're having about our bodies, they're really not our fault per se. Would you say it's it's something that's kind of been given to us over generations through billboards, through social media, through doctors, through all the things?
1: Yep. Absolutely. And I think our, first of all, like you said, our parents and everyone was doing the best they could, but I believe they're finding now in research that most of the influence on young girls and kids is actually outside the home because they're around other kids who have influence from their parents. They see advertising. They're at school. They're, it, there's just so much external influence. And that's not to discourage people to not do this work because it's worthless. It's not, it's absolutely not worthless. I think our relationship to our parents is, you know, one of those really core foundational things that sets up our core belief systems. But the truth is, is that there's so much else to battle out there. And you're right. This is just passed down from generation to generation. And you can stop the pattern in your family, with your children and for yourself, because it's just so stressful to constantly be thinking, oh, well, I would be better. My life would be better. X, Y, or Z would be better if I was in a smaller body. Because all of us know that, Either one, it's really hard to maintain that body or even to get into that smaller body. Or if we do, we get there and we're like, I don't feel any better. So it's just, it's a, I don't know what the right word is, but all of those options fail, right? To give you what you actually thought you wanted.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I remember that too. It's just like, you know, conforming myself into this smaller body and restricting my food, you know, which, at the time i thought i was just doing the healthiest thing for myself totally right? because we're just it's everywhere you know thinner is better thinner is healthier and gaining weight is is bad and if you don't exercise you know i remember and i'm going to be honest back when i was in my very exercising restrictive eating days if someone i knew told me you know they don't go to the gym or work out i would be like, what? Like, who doesn't go to the gym? Like, they must be unhealthy. And you know, when I really was the unhealthy one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So I, I want to be fully disclosed, I've been on both sides. Absolutely. This side of feeling, you know, comfortable, relaxed, confident in your body is is much more fun. Um, and we'll we'll get into the all the perks of that, but you know, going back to <clears throat> I think a big thing uh, for this whole image that we have in our head of what we should look like and what health should be when people are told, okay, especially, you know, the people I work with, let's eat more, let's rest more. And you might, you might gain weight. You might. And I think the biggest thing is, well, what are other people going to think about me? and so i I wonder what advice you have, Molly, when you know someone would say, "Well, what are people gonna think if i if I gain weight?"
1: and also, I think it's interesting the rest more. Eat more is literally opposite of what society tells us to do, right? And it's always it's always eat less, move more, and so. But the healing, the healthy thing, especially when you've lost your recovery, is to eat more and rest more. This question of like, what is everybody going to think? Anytime we have these intrusive thoughts or unhelpful thoughts or negative thoughts, you know, whatever you call them, the truth is that they have information in them, and I want people to practice being curious about that. So. Even starting off with, what are people going to think of me? Okay, what is the story I'm telling myself that they're going to think about me? So then we get into, okay, they're going to think I've let myself go. They're going to think I'm unhealthy. They're going to think I'm lazy. Okay, so these are the stories that we believe people are thinking about us. Of course, there's some thinking mistakes there. We're mind reading, assuming people are thinking these things about us. And and we can tell ourselves that that might not be true, but the truth is that people might be thinking that. So we need to dig in even deeper. If we were, I don't like the word lazy because I don't think laziness is a real thing. Um, but if we were quote unquote unhealthy, if we were quote unquote un, or lazy, excuse me, if we did quote unquote let ourselves go what would that mean about us? What's the story we're telling ourselves that that would mean about us on a deeper level, right? And then we get to answers like, well, then I would have messed up or well, then I'm not going to find a romantic partner. Oh, well, if that's true, if I'm lazy, if I'm unhealthy, if I've let myself go, then I'm going to lose my friends or I'm going to lose relationships. Now we're getting there, right? Now we're getting down to, we're kind of what I call uh, following the thread of like what's actually underneath these fears. So if we're afraid of not finding a romantic relationship, Okay, that gives us information that we're desiring a romantic relationship. What can we do to start stepping towards that in a way that's actually more authentic authentic to us? How can we find a romantic partner who's going to love us in any size body and love every single part of us? If our answer is, oh, well, then I've done something wrong, we can get even more curious and say, okay, if we did do something wrong, what's so bad about that? Well, if I do something wrong, then I'm going to be punished and I'm going to be disconnected from the people I care about. Okay, so now we have more information there. We can see that connection is important to us. So how can we move forward with authentic connection? So the key here is to ask ourselves questions to kind of get down to really what the core fear is. And you can hear in all these examples most of the time, what I hear, one of the biggest thing I, I, I work with all women, I've worked with literally one, one man. And even for him, it was connection is so important. Connection and relationships are so important. So I tend to see that trend of like, when we get down to the core of it, what we're most afraid of is that our body size is going to compromise our connection and our relationships. And that makes sense, right? We're human and we thrive with connection and relationships. And so then we can clearly see that, oh, this isn't actually about my body size. We do live in a physical wor- world. So I do kind of reserve one little slice of the pie chart to like, yeah, this really is about our bodies. But the great majority, I would say 95% of it is actually about relationships and connections. So how can we shift our energy into focusing on our relationships and our connection instead of the size of our body? I love
0: that, Molly. And it is so true because I remember for myself one of my biggest fears when I finally found out what I had to do to regain my period because it took me a while to figure out what was actually going on. And one of my biggest fears was, yes, the weight gain, but more specifically, like, what are people gonna think? I'm the dietitian who is supposed to be quote unquote healthy, and healthy means Thin. And if I give up the gym and I'm not there anymore, and then people see me out in public and I've gained weight, oh my gosh, you know, and my friends that were truly my friends, they stuck by me. We were, our relationship didn't change, but I was fearful of that. And it really does, you know, lead down to that connection. And that relationship, whether it's a physical relationship or just you know a friend or even your parents, uh, your caregivers, whoever. Um, so I, I love that you you bring that up and help us dig a little bit deeper into. It's really not about our body, the majority of it. So I hope that resonates with so many of you to know that the way you feel right now about your body and about your period recovery and about all the things is not permanent. Right? And so I guess in the day-to-day stuff when when those thoughts come in of what are people going to think? Do you just, you know, recommend we just start to kind of get curious with ourselves? Ask our- ourselves some questions. Should we do any kind of journaling? Like what have you seen that that works well? And I know every person is different when it comes to you know, how they've gotten into where they are and how they're trying to get out. But I guess a little tip maybe someone could could do if they have that thought of like, oh, what's, you know, so and so gonna think if I my body changes.
1: Yes, absolutely. One of my favorite practices that people can do on the fly. It's easy to do. Well, I guess it might take some practice if you haven't really gotten in touch with yourself, but it's definitely tangible that you can do. So First, noticing the thought. I'm noticing myself thinking, when I looked in the mirror, I looked disgusting. So calling out the thought. Then also validating the emotion that's coming with that. I'm noticing that when I think that, I feel sad and just despair. Like really calling out and identifying the emotional part of what you're feeling it's okay for me to feel that way. So you're identifying the thought, you're identifying the emotion and validating the emotion. And then what you want to do day to day, because you, if you're you know walking down the street and you saw your reflection, you probably don't have time to sit down and be with your feeling and really create some emotional embodiment or really do some journaling, right? Like we're always on the fly. Those are really good tools, right? But if we're doing this on the fly, it's noticing the thought, validating the emotion that happens because of that thought. And then asking yourself, what's something that I could do for myself here that would make me feel just a little bit better? What's something that I need? Is this communicating anything to me? So that in those moments, you're, like I said, Noticing the thought, validating your emotion, and then getting in touch with what your body's asking for because of those things. That is a great tool for people to start practicing right now, today. That's something you absolutely can do. You'll notice that your body is like, I just want you to take a really nice deep breath for a second. Or, you know, later on, I would really like to take a long shower or, you know, I could really use just some like just shaking movement. Let's just shake this off. Right. Or it'll be like, you know what? I could really use some stretching. So it's amazing how you'll get these answers from your body of like, what can I do for you? It'll be like, oh, here's here's a nice thing you could do. And that's the part that might take some practice, because if you're not in the practice of giving your body what it needs, it might take a little bit of, flexing that muscle and getting it stronger. But trust me, that information is all within you. So really practicing that, calling out the thought, validating the emotion, asking your body what it needs is a winning combination.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. That is such, such great advice. And I think too, another thing for, you know, the ladies that are listening that may be trying to recover their period that you can eat something too. That's Mm -hmm. something good you can do for your body. And not only is it going to bring you closer to getting your period back, but it's also in turn going to help you feel empowered that you can eat even if you just ate. You can that cheeseburger if you want it and ice cream afterwards because you're craving something sweet. That is all doing beautiful things for your body. And at the same time, Getting you closer to period recovery and empowering yourself so that you know, like once you take these little steps and you know you can do it, you can build from there and that's where the practice starts and then before you know it, it becomes second nature.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think the cool thing about women and our hormones and periods is we have such an amazing, beautiful, unique opportunity to attune to our bodies. And so that's one practice is feeding yourself when your body asks for it. Or maybe even during period recovery, you have to do (laughs) beyond that, right? But it is setting a foundation of asking your body what it needs and giving it to it and listening and trusting it. And as women, we're, we definitely have a unique opportunity to really attune to our bodies. And I think period recovery is a part of that.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you brought that up because the, the ladies that uh, go into my uh, graduation group, uh, which is called the period society. So they get a period back and then they can continue on getting their second, third period and then really becoming more in tune with their menstrual cycle when they find themselves more hungry, when they're more energetic, more creative. There's so many things tied to this menstrual cycle. And we are so lucky to be able to have that attunement. Um, And it's something like I never connected the dots to until I really started doing this work. And wow, it's so awesome to be able to be like, oh, huh you know, be curious. Why am I so hungry today? Oh, that's where I'm, I'm in my follicular phase, we'll just say. And, oh gosh, why do I feel like such a raging, you know what? And I'm like, oh, my period's like tomorrow. Um, So it's, it's nice to be able to get curious and be able to kind of, you know, sync up to be like, okay, This is why this is happening. And so that's the awesome gift of having a regular menstrual cycle as well, on top of all the wonderful health benefits that come along uh, with that. So, okay, so let's talk, kind of shift gears a little bit, sort of, and I just want to talk about another thing that, that pops up often, and it's buying new clothes. So, you know, we're used to fitting in our size, zero, one, whatever it may be. And now we have to buy new clothes. How do we, how do we get over that and, and feel a little bit more comfortable?
1: Buying new clothes. And honestly, through my process, I have had to buy new clothes in multiple seasons. And so know that if that happens to you, if you size up more than once, that's okay too. That doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. And I think one thing I want to share from what I've heard of anyone sizing up, literally every single client, every single person in my community literally says, I don't know why I waited so long. I feel so good. This has completely changed my body image by just buying clothes that fit my body and not worrying about the size and not waiting until I might fit back into these clothes. So if you're listening to this and you've been putting it off, just go do it. It's like the easiest but the hardest thing to do ever. Easiest because it's a tangible thing you can just go and do. Now I do want to acknowledge that it does require some privilege to be able to go and buy new clothes. I understand that requires a level of financial ability, and so I just want to honor that—that it might not be easy for everyone. And know if that's you, there's there's also there's clothing exchanges on Facebook. There's thrift stores. There's there's options. Of course, there it's going to be different. So I just want to acknowledge and and validate that. But the reason people put it off, right, is because there's loss that comes with that. We hold on to these ideas and beliefs about who we are in this smaller body. And when we size up, it's a tangible reminder that that's no longer us. But here's the thing that we have to remember is that it's a story that we're telling ourselves. So again, we want to get curious and say, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself that I'll get when I'm in a smaller body that I won't get in this new size body. Right. And again, it will be, I will, you know, be able to connect with my friends at the pool party without thinking about my body. Okay. That's something we can work on, right? That's something we can work on in this new size body. We're telling ourselves a story that no partner will love me in this new body. Okay. Again, that's a story. How can we work towards finding a romantic partner who will accept us in any size body? Because the truth of the matter is, if somebody doesn't accept you just because you're a body size, they're not your person, (laughs) right?
0: No way.
1: No way, right? So, And also, again, I want to honor that if you're in a relationship where someone's judging you, that doesn't mean you can't repair that relationship as well. You can definitely do that. So if you're like, oh, no, I'm in a relationship where my partner is judging my body already, that doesn't mean you have to just kick them to the curb. You can repair <laughs> that as well with a lot of you know vulnerable conversation, maybe some couples therapy, etc. Anyways, so again, when we have to size up the fears that we're losing something, so I want you to get really curious about what's the story I'm telling myself that I'm losing, and how can I make that a reality in a more authentic way, in a way that feels more sustainable in my current body. So it's twofold, right? I always like to make sure that we're not just positive thinking our way out of these uncomfortable emotions. I want you to start doing that, right? Like think about the ways that I can make relationships and connections thrive in this new body and also honor and make space for the discomfort that's coming along with grieving this old body. Because if we don't do both, we're missing such a huge part of this process. And you're always going to be kind of dragging those uncomfortable, heavy emotions along with you and that's part of the reason it feels so hard so we have to learn and practice how to identify validate hold space and process some of these uncomfortable emotions that are coming up in this process otherwise it's just going to feel even harder than it already is
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that cuz a lot of times it'll be like well i'll just replace it with positive thoughts mhm it's like okay we got to we got to get a little deeper where is this coming from what are you telling totally. yourself? Uh, because you know we push that under the rug just with you know a mantra or a positive thought, which can be helpful in the moment. You know, maybe you're out to dinner, and you you can't like just drop in and start get to get curious. But you know, if we're doing that on a regular basis, that dust bunny under the rug is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And totally, those emotions you carry, like Molly said, are just going to drag with you, and that's no fun. And so, you know, buying these new clothes, I just. I know for me when I was going through recovery it was like the worst thing in the world that I had to buy new clothes and just something about it was just so deeply ingrained that you know smaller is is better and that going up a size is bad but going down a size is good and I think that's pretty much probably ingrained in most of us, not, not just us. I mean, I don't feel that way any, any longer, just cause just like you said, Molly, before you won't believe how much better you'll feel. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, initially it might be hard to go get a, a different size, but once you're wearing it, it's like, Oh my gosh. Why did I torture myself for so long? And I know for me, I can remember a point, I was a dietitian. I was working in clinical, this was probably my first year out of college, and I was knee deep in, you know, my missing period and restricting food and all that. And I just remember that putting on my work pants, which I had like five pairs to rotate through for work. And when I felt them getting bigger, oh my gosh, my day was so much better. I was so much happier. Things Uh were good. Life was good. My pants felt smaller. And then if my body started to change for whatever reason, because bodies can change, they should change. My day was like, I was pissed. I was just in a negative mood. And of course, that made me get back to exercise after I already exercised in the morning. Uh And also restrict my food because I felt bigger.
1: Ugh. It's so hard.
0: So hard.
1: And those were the tools though that you had at the time, right? Those are the tools that you learned to make yourself feel better. And so I think what we have to do is find tools that are going to support us so much more deeply. And then the other thing to think about too, is when we have clothing that's uncomfortable, We literally get a tactile information to our brain, right? That your brain and your body isn't judging it, right? But then we attach a story to it. So if we can remove some of that tactile input, right, from actually having clothes that fit us, we at least remove that. But then we also have to kind of unpack the story and the, the snowball effect of like, oh, this doesn't fit. Oh, this means X, Y, and Z. Oh, my God. And then, like you said, it puts you in a terrible space for the day that's just not a fun way to go through life.
0: No. And it's not for the, it's especially not fun for the people around you. I, you know, I could look back and say, wow. And I bet during my times of restriction and over exercising, I think a lot of my friends would say, wow, Cynthia is like a bitch sometimes. Mm. And I look back and I'm like, I probably was, I was, was starving and I was just worried about what my body looked like. Yeah. Right. So, but I can look back and reflect on that. And, you know, there were so many stories I was telling myself at the time. So, you know, back to the buying new clothes, going out there. Yes. It's 100% a privilege to be able to, you know, just drop down and be like, okay, I'm going to buy some new clothes. We bought the clothes, we bring them home. And I can tell you 10 out of 10, my clients will be like, oh, I do feel so much better, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to the same thing. But what if, what if, because I have this happen, what if they have to buy new clothes another time? So they've already initially bought it, which was hard. And now they've exceeded, I don't want to say their expectations, but they're, they thought this was just only the weight they would have to gain. And now their body has changed a little bit more. And how do we, I guess, cope with doing that a second time?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I have found that as I had to continue to do it, it actually got easier. But if it doesn't get easier for you, then again, I would get curious about what's the story I'm telling myself here. Now in this size body, what, what do I believe this means to be true about me? So again, we just, we have to get curious about our thought patterns right? What's the story we're telling ourselves is true and just really holding space for some of the emotions that are coming up, but then also doing some, some thought busting, right? And saying, okay, I'm telling myself that story. Where did that story come from? Is that story actually true? And how can I realign with what I actually know to be true about myself and what's important to me? And I see, so I think that's where it can be really important to incorporate Values and making sure that we are aligning and being in congruency with the values that are most important to us. Because one thing that I thought was interesting in your story was it was affecting your relationships. And what did we find was at the core of most people's fears relationships and connection, right? So, really connecting back into what are our values, what are most important to us. And then again, validating that like this does feel uncomfortable for me and that's okay how can I create a toolbox of emotional support tools to help me through some of those really tough times but I think again as you go through this process really making sure we're aligning with what's important to you can really help us in those times where it still feels hard to size up again so I think the next step would be really aligning with values.
0: Yeah, I would 100% agree because we know that, and if you don't know yet, you're going to know during this journey that we're more than just who we appear on the outside. And when we give that up and work on that, we're able to really see the true beautiful person that we really are and what is most meaningful um, in our lives, because to me, years ago, I thought the most meaningful thing was, you know, fitting into a two piece bathing suit, making sure I had a flat stomach for the summer season. But it was all coming down to like, I just wanted to be accepted and, you know, have good relationships and have fun and connect with others. So, you know, it's amazing the doors that open up and it might feel hopeless at time, like I'm never going to not think this way. But if you do the practice, you get the support. Support is key in this kind of work. You will overcome this and be able to walk into a dressing room, you know, and say, Hmm, you know, I don't I'm not really sure what size I am. So I'm gonna grab a bunch and I'm going to try it on. Uh, not look in the mirror yet because I want to see if this actually like feels good on my body, right? Because what if you found this like super cute sweater and you knew it was gonna fit you fine, but you put it on and it it was so freaking itchy. You're not going to wear that, right? Right. You, you'll drive yourself crazy, just like you wouldn't, totally. or you shouldn't wear a pair of jeans or shorts that are digging into the side of your waist just because they're a size, whatever they are. And so, going into that dressing room, saying, All right, what's going to feel best on my body? And then, after it feels comfortable, maybe turning around and say, Is this even my style? You know, is this even my style? So, There will come a day and that day is liberating, which Molly, I'm sure you can attest to and we could both, you know, attest to that it's just so nice to not have to worry and have, have those thoughts. And do those thoughts come up once in a while? I can tell you during, you know, a certain part of my cycle when my period's about to come, I'm feeling more bloated, which is FYI, normal bloating is normal. Um, (laughs) that, you know, I do feel, I do feel different. I, my body feels different. And the way I honor that now, instead of beating myself up and saying, oh, you know, you shouldn't eat, you shouldn't do this, that. All right. Let's put some comfortable clothes on. What do you need today, Cynthia? Um, I need to just relax. Uh, I need a Starbucks coffee. I feel like a pedicure. I feel like taking a bath. What is it? I always tell my clients, you know, we're going to have these days where we we don't feel right or we don't feel good. And asking yourself, what do you need today? What do you need? And it could be anything, maybe a conversation with a friend, listening to a podcast. So um, thank you for sharing those tips on, on clothing. And, you know, clothing, your body size, it's supposed to change season to season, year to year. Uh, you know, and I can tell you, I have before i had like one size in my closet many many years ago and now i have all different sizes in my closet depending on how i feel that day that season whatever it may be so know that this is this is okay i know society has told us different right like you should just maintain you know a certain size or once you have a baby you need to fit back into your pre pregnancy jeans all the things uh-huh. no you're allowed to change your body is allowed to change and it's quite Quite normal. We just normalized, I think, that it shouldn't change, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a story in our society that says your body should stay the same size for forever and ever, and you should never age. And in fact, you should look younger when you're 40 than you did it when you're 20. Like, it's just, it's absurd. It's ridiculous. And I think, I think we are on a better path. I mean, I see more and more. Things honoring different body sizes. You're seeing advertising in public about larger bodies. And at the same time, it's still very ingrained. We're very much at the beginning of shifting into a more accepting. Societal standard. And the truth is that diet culture is not going anywhere. It's going to be here for a while. And so we're not going to see it go away in our lifetime. So I think the key, like you said, like we're still going to have challenging days. The key is to build a toolbox, listen to yourself, ask yourself what you need, and really support yourself through it and ask for help if you need to, right? Like this isn't just about you meeting your own needs. It's also about, you know, calling in the people around you to also help support your needs. Because like I said at the beginning, we thrive on connection. I used to think that, external validation was the worst thing. I, it had become unhealthy for me because that was the only way I could feel good. But now I have practiced that like, okay, I can internally validate myself, but I can also ask for external validation when I need it, right? So I think that just really goes to show that we really thrive in community and connection. And so find your people, right? Find the people that really encourage you to be fully you and love every part of you and validate you and celebrate you. Those people are out there. They're probably looking for you, right? They're like, where is my person that I can celebrate them and they can celebrate me? So really, I, I think it's just so important to to find your people. And if you don't have them yet, I, I wish somebody would have told me that your people can come to you in adulthood. I kind of was under this, again, a societal expectation of you meet your best friends in grade school and high school, and then you stay friends for forever for the rest of your life. I do have some amazing friends from that walk of life. And I've also made incredible friends as an adult. So know that amazing connections can come at any time in your life. So if you don't have them now, that doesn't mean you're never going to get them. So I just, I I just want to say that because I know I felt that way. There was a very, a, period of time where I felt very lonely, like I'm screwed. I don't have the right kind of friends or I don't have the right kind of circle. And that can be a really challenging time. So know that your people are out there and they're going to find their way to you for sure.
0: Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that, Molly. I think there was a point in time, I want to say maybe in my early twenties that I kind of felt that way and yeah, your people will come to you. It will fall into place. And so the last thing I wanted to talk about is circling back from the beginning of what you, you added in there was, you know, we, uh, women in period recovery are like, okay, you know, whatever I need to do to get my period back, I'll gain the weight, even though, you know, it's not like my favorite thing. I've never had someone say, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to gain weight. Like it's going to be the yeah. best thing ever. So they're like, I'll do what's necessary to get my period back. So which is, you know, if that's a motivating factor, you know, I, I want my period back, that's okay. That's a place to start, right? Absolutely. Because not having a menstrual cycle impacts your bones, cognitive relationships because you're under fueling and you don't have enough food to concentrate on meaningful connections. And I can go on and on about the, you know, disparities that come along with a, a missing menstrual cycle, but... You know, let's talk about the, you know, giving ourselves the okay and how can we, you know, I'm trying to think of of how to say it, but how can we give ourselves that permission to gain weight because we're getting our period back, but also simultaneously, you know, dig into why we're giving ourselves an excuse for our bodies to change. Did I say that kind of right?
1: Totally. Yeah. It's like trying to find a reason or quote unquote excuse. And I think what's underneath that is we're always seeking approval, right? So we need to over explain ourselves. There needs to be a reason why our body is the way it is. So my curious question for you is, do you feel that in other ways in your life? Do you feel like you have to over explain your personality? Do you sometimes feel like you're too much or not enough? And so I think at the core of this, it's really about approval and gaining approval from others. And so my challenge is how can we approve of ourselves internally? How can our body be enough just as it is right now in this moment, our body is good just for existing, not because it, you know, has now regained its period. And okay, now I can accept my body as it is just because it regained its period. And this was a side effect. How can we give ourselves the approval that we're seeking from other people? What might that look like? What might that sound like? What might that feel like to give ourselves unconditional approval? And usually part of that means that we have to accept every part of us. And a tool that we used earlier was really getting comfortable with the uncomfortable parts of ourselves, because I think when we seek that external approval, we're trying to shoo that discomfort under the rug, right? We're trying to say, oh, well, here's the reason, right? And so when there's a reason, when there's an excuse, we kind of bypass the discomfort. So instead of bypassing the discomfort, can we walk through it? Can we be in it? Can we actually go through that, that wave or that tunnel of discomfort? And I think when we start doing that, that's when, we, when unconditional approval of ourselves feels easier because we're like, oh, it's okay for me to feel angry. It's okay for me to feel sad or disappointment or rejection. That's okay. I can handle that. I can cope with these things. And then when we can do those things, the need, the deep need and desire for approval from others isn't as strong. Of course, we still want that. We're human. We want connection. We want belonging. But belonging does not require, or I I guess I should say, conditional acceptance and approval, meaning I'll only accept you if you have an excuse for your weight gain, is not a part of belonging. So when you're trying to find authentic connection and belonging... Those people will never say, oh, it's, it's, I guess I'll accept your weight gain because you, you got your period back. No, they'll say, I'm so glad you got your period back. Your body is incredible and amazing. And I'm so grateful for you. Right? So there's going to be a huge difference between that conditional acceptance and unconditional acceptance, which is what belonging looks like and feels like. But a way that we can start with that is what does that look like if we gave that to ourselves?
0: Thank you for sharing that, Molly. And I just made me think of one client of mine how, well, actually, many of them, but one particular that's coming to my mind. She said, you know, she started fueling her body appropriately, got her period back, and really had the energy to, you know, be connected with her friends and family members again and no longer avoiding social situations because of food or how she looked. They were like, she told me how her friends were like, oh my gosh like it is so awesome to have the real you back Mm. and you I've never seen you so happy ever. And it's so amazing to have you around again. And so I think a lot of times when we go on this journey and we start to dig into maybe the uncomfortable feelings, we we feel that we're going to lose so much. But when you do this kind of work, you gain so much, so, so much. And when this one client told me about it and how, you know, her friends, you know, saw how much happier she was, you know, healthier and and all the things, she knew she was doing the right thing. But it was, again, that external validation, like that I guess that balancing act of having a little bit of external validation, but also knowing, you know, deep inside that she was doing the right thing, which took her time. Um, and that's okay. You know, I think, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but I, I also do remember when I was younger, it was like, you know, bypass the uncomfortable feelings. Just, you're always supposed to feel good, happy and never saying like, all right, right now, maybe it's just your job to kind of sit in this uncomfortable feeling. I don't know where that comes from or whatever, and I'm sure that's a deeper conversation. It's okay to feel bad, sad, happy. All emotions are completely valid. And knowing that you're going to gain so much more from sometimes going through uncomfortable situations, it's really, I like to say post recovery is, it's indescribable in so many ways.
1: Yep. Because I think, like you said, our generation was taught from the generation above us, don't feel sad, don't cry, it's okay. And that really invalidates us and also prevents us from seeing our wholeness, that we are a whole complex human being. And I think the more that we can validate that we have all these feelings that they, even if we pretend to be happy all the time, those uncomfortable feelings are still going to come up. And so when we can embody all of those things, we feel whole in a way that other generations were never allowed to feel. And so they couldn't model that to us. And I truly believe this is honestly why I do the work that I do kind of like your, your story is I truly deeply believe that the more people, that are standing in their wholeness, that are able to really embody all of their light sides, all of their dark sides, and everything in between. I honestly believe the world would be a better place. That's why I, I do the work that I do, right on a on a deeper on a deeper, but also like bird bird's eye view. Like this makes such a difference. And period recovery and intuitive eating and body acceptance are all parts of that. Are all parts of really reattuning with every single part of yourself and being able to accept it.
0: Yes, and pass it on to future generations. So we can make this world a better place, which is so cool. And I see it, you know, I am so was my journey with period recovery and body acceptance, you know, it was no walk in the park. But if I could go back and not do it, I'd still do it because it has not only made me who I am today, but I'm able to accept myself fully and I'm able to pass that to my two little boys who right now are five and three. And Stopping that generational, like, no, you can't cry or you shouldn't cry or, you know, that all feelings are, are good. All food is good. All bodies are good. Uh, so it just lights me up inside to see other, you know, people I work with doing this work stopping that generational thing. Even if they don't plan on producing offspring, it flows out to maybe past generations. I know I see thing I see my mom do things differently because she sees me do things differently now, which is so cool. So it doesn't even have to be about future generations. It can be past and current. So
1: Oh my gosh, totally.
0: But Molly, it's it's amazing, isn't it? It it truly is amazing.
1: Yep. It really is. It's so healing and it's it's maybe a little bit weird to think like, oh, like these things can change the world. Period recovery, intuitive eating, body acceptance, but really in the broad scheme of things, they can. It has a, such a ripple effect, whether you're producing offspring or not. It's so healing for people to really reattune to themselves and their bodies. And this is this is that work or one way to do that. There's many ways to do it, but this is kind of our our way to do it.
0: Absolutely. And I have to say, this has been the best conversation ever about all things, you know, Well, we didn't cover all things body image related, but we got into a couple of the core usual things that pop up for so many people. So I am so grateful that you were able to come on and share all of your knowledge and expertise and passion because I think if you and I and so many other practitioners didn't have that that passion behind it, it just, I don't know. It it would be different for sure. Uh, but that passion, that wholeheartedness to help others, you know, heal, regain their periods, regain their body image, confidence, and all the things. Um, you know, I, I wake up every day and I'm like, pinch myself, you know, I get to help. Uh so and I'm sure you feel the same. All right, Molly. So one question I like to leave uh with when I have guests on is how are you living now because all of us that have been on here have gone through some type of recovery whether it be period recovery body image disorder eating etc how are you living now
1: mm, i love i love this question first and foremost there is just so much more joy and play and enjoyment in my life when i was stuck in diet culture and restricting and quote unquote clean eating i always felt like i was missing out because Connection, again, like we've been talking about so much, connection is so important to me. And oftentimes connection happens around food and trying new food and celebratory food. And I was always restricting myself in those moments, which also restricted my connection. So there's so much more joy play and attunement with my body. I mean, it's just, it's so much easier as well. I'm not constantly thinking and planning and counting and whatever I was doing in my head. There's so much less of that. So there's also more time and space to do things that I enjoy and that matter to me. But also, where I'm living now is deepening this journey for myself. I've done a lot of this work. I've done so much therapy and coaching, and I'm there's still things to work on. I always encourage people to take breaks from self work, right? And so I've taken long breaks, but I'm also now in a season and a period where I'm going even deeper. I'm doing some subconscious self-worth work now, um, which is fascinating. So, and and I love it. It's so funny because had, uh, had someone told me that this journey never really ends 10 years ago when I was a perfectionist and I just wanted to get up to a place where everything was perfect and then life would be perfect the rest of my life, I would have been like, well, then why would I even do this? Right. But now I'm like, Oh, I get to see when my body and my mind and my soul is like, okay, we're ready for the next step or okay, we need to pause and just, you know, celebrate and enjoy life or Hey, you're doing this work. Don't forget to celebrate, enjoy life along the way. So I just feel so much more connected to my body and my heart and it's just so much Better. That's not to say that it doesn't come without struggles. Of course, there are struggles and challenging days, but overall it's just so much more oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just better just seems too plain for me, but it's so much more enlivening almost to be able to accept every single part of me. And so that's that's how I'm living it living.
0: <laughs> amazing, Molly. That is so amazing to hear. And I feel like Just by knowing that that is all possible is going to bring so much inspiration to those struggling to know that there is, you know, a a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or that there there is so much hope. So thank you again so much for sharing that. And thank you again so much for being on. And just in case, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my biggest new exciting thing is my What She Gained podcast. So you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called What She Gained. And it's all about different intuitive eating, body acceptance, health at every size, aligned topics, and really diving into what you can gain when you let go of food and body obsession. But people can also find me on my Instagram at MollyKateWellness or my website, MollyKateWellness.com.
0: Thank you so much, Molly, for being on. This was so informational and inspirational. Thank you again. Hi, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please take a moment to think and reflect on how this could be helpful in your period recovery journey. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Period Recovery Podcast. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and I'm so excited and grateful you are here listening with me. If you need more support on your period recovery journey, schedule a time to chat with me on my website, periodnutritionist.com. If you found this podcast helpful, please help me spread awareness on missing periods by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with others. Are you ready to get your period back and your life back? I'll see you in two weeks.